0: know some people <laughs> who have an emotional bond with some sheep
1: scuba obsessed the weekly podcast we talk about all things scuba diving from cool new gear places to dive and scuba news scuba obsessed episode 198 is recorded live may 1st 2014 Welcome back to Scuba Obsessed. I'm Darren Gilson, and joining me this week, we have Mac the Dive Mentor. How you doing today, Mac?
2: Well, I'm doing pretty good. Thank you very much.
1: Yeah, we're finally getting that weather that we like. And also joining us this week, we have Jim Schultz. How you doing today, Jim?
0: I'm just great, thank you.
1: And we have to apologize for everybody last week that we didn't do his show. I was just having a heck of a lot of internet problems. Couldn't get the internet to connect and stay up for more than a few minutes at a time, so that would have been a... Really long and rough recording, so we did a bye week, and we'll catch it up here. I think between the two weeks, we got some good news articles to cover, and we also have some diving. I understand from living vicariously through every, through others. So let's go ahead and jump right on into the news. Let's see. The first one is uh, at least it's the first one on my list. I don't know if that's what you guys have. You can you can hopefully you can keep up. Uh, divers collecting funds to. Film an ancient forest. We covered this one before. They had a team of divers who were trying to raise fifteen thousand dollars to document the hidden ancient underwater forest in the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, let's see. What they what they're effectively doing is they found some fifty thousand year old cypress stumps, perfectly preserved in the ocean floor, just there off the coast of Alabama. And they wanted to do some more recording. They had some footage in the can, and they needed to finish it up. Uh, book some time on some boats. And as of a few hours ago, it looks like they've actually got funded. So if you look at the Kickstarter page, they ended up with 125 backers raising $19,772, well over the goal of 15000 that they were requesting. And they had a variety. So they even had a few people. They had three of them uh, back for $2,000, so $6,000 from three people. And what they get to do is they get to dive on the underwater forest with Chaz was it Broton, the man who discovered it in the filmmakers once production established, provided that they are certified divers. The donation is good for two divers, so that would be six altogether. Uh includes transportation uh, no it doesn't include transportation Alabama and the the lodging is not included, but once you get there they'll get you in the water. So congratulations to them and we'll we'll take a look at it, and hopefully we'll they'll be able to put something nice together. But doesn't it give you ideas of all the things that you can do with crowdsourcing and fundraising? Yeah. And there's a few other sites. You're just not uh, tied to Kickstarter. You also have Indiegogos another major site. And then for nonprofits, there's another four or five more who are doing it in a variety of different ways. Uh, We have Georgia Williams. A scuba diving uh, scholarship has been announced. A charity was set up in memory of a teenager who was murdered last summer, and they announced a scholarship in her name. It's going to be annual. Uh, Georgia Williams from Wellington and Shropshire uh, had written a list of ambitions, which included going scuba diving. The scholarship will pay for scuba training to the level of master diver. Uh, the Georgia Williams Trust is set up to create a fund to help teenagers realize their dreams. All over, Although the trust has given grants before, the money, uh, such as this, now goes to, has gone to a wheelchair for 11-year-old cerebral palsy. Uh, this is the first scholarship. The program was set up in conjunction with the Immersed School of Diving in uh, Telford, and it will be jointly funded. Jamie Reynolds, 23, was uh, sentenced in December 2013 to a whole life term in jail for th- for Georgia's murder. And then this one in Moorhead City. Uh, area shipwrecks down there have gotten a little bit of notice, and the operator is a little bit worried uh, new legislation that's uh, been pr- proposed. Moorhead City was featured in scuba diving magazine's May edition. It was in the list of twenty-five best U.S. wreck dives. It was the wreck of the German submarine uh, U-352, is featured in uh, number twenty-second designation for the wreck divers. Uh, Robert Perfroy, owner and operator of Olympus Dive Center, Moorhead City, is concerned that proposed guidelines for permitting archaeological investigations and other activities involving sunken military craft. Under the U.S. Navy's jurisdiction will impact his business. He said, I don't want to be a chicken little and say the sky is falling, but this goes through as written, there will be no opportunity for recreational divers to apply for permits. According to the executive summary for the rules published by the Federal Register on January 6, such wrecks contain hazards, military secrets, and possible threats to national security. Mr. Perfroy seeks an economic analysis to determine the proposed rule's impact in the $11 billion dive industry, which caters to about 3 million sport divers. He expressed concerns in an email to his representative, Walter Jones Jr. RNC, saying he believes that the proposed rule would prohibit anyone other than professional archaeologists from diving at military shipwreck sites. In the executive summary, it states that non-intrusive activities such as scuba diving would not be impacted. However, the actual verbiage of proposed rule, it states that sunken military craft shall not be disturbed, according to Mr. Perforoy's email to Congressman, which has also been sent to various other legislatures, state, and county officials. The deadline for public comment was on March 7th, and Mr. Perforoy was able to submit his comments in time. He has since contacted others, including Maritime Attorney on the matter. He writes in his email, that the term "disturbed" is not clearly defined in the proposed wording. When you read the rule, almost every part of it will affect recreational diving. There is a one hundred thousand dollar fine should a military craft be disturbed, which would most likely prohibit him and other operators from visiting and making a living scuba diving in military shipwreck sites. He, he also notes in his email that mil- many military shipwrecks were found identified for the Navy by his father, the late Captain George Perfroy. In the 1970s, including the U352, I and my fellow dive industry colleagues consider the vague language and conflicting interpretations to be a critical flaw that will make it impossible to stay in business and enjoy a sport of recreational diving. We are independent of the archaeological community and the commercial salvage diving community. We need much clearer language to understand what vessels are covered and what activities are prohibited. He writes another major concern in diving communities that dive operators were not formally notified of proposed change. I learned a proposal from a re- retired dive colleague that submitted and stumbled upon it on the Internet. Shortly thereafter, made a diving community aware at scuba diving consumer trade show in New Jersey beneath the sea. Not one person was aware of proposed change. This will most definitely have a negative impact. Not only am I business in eastern North Carolina, but others across the U.S. that thrive on goods and services generated by this industry, such as restaurants, hotels, marine mechanics, boat supply companies, fuel stations, and many others. This is a case of poor wording is going to destroy the this.
2: I think it's interesting uh, their concern talking about hazards. Well, any wreck is a hazard. Military secrets, I would be really curious to know, by the remotest possibility, what kind of military secret are you going to get on, from those wrecks? And even more so is, give me a break. Possible threat to national security.
1: Recreational divers are more likely to find the wreck and notify you that it's there than they are to steal any secrets. The only person you, this hurts are, is the, the people who are who are doing the honest thing.
2: Yeah, I sent you a copy of the link. To the guidelines for permitting archaeological investigation and other activities directed at sunken military craft and terrestrial military craft under the jurisdiction of the Department of the Navy. It's a proposed rule 37 CFR, part 767. The comments were due March of 14. And so I sent that link to you if you're curious to look at it later.
1: Okay. Yeah, because the way it's worded right now, who pays the fine? So if you dive on a site, and then you have one of the divers there brushes up against it, knocks a fleck of paint off. Is it the tour operator who's going to pay a hundred thousand dollars?
2: Well, it's not only that. Remember that second military craft, like those tanks that the guys are diving, or yeah. like uh, Dave is diving over in the Gulf. Yep, that constitutes under this under this ruling one of their wrecks.
1: Yeah. Well, how about how about says, the uh, you- the bomber in uh, Lake Michigan?
2: Well, that always does. That belongs to the uh, Air Force.
1: Well, right, but right now, we could dive on it.
2: Yeah, we could re-find it. <laughs> if well, we could you,
1: find it again, well, yeah. If we could find it, you could dive on it, but the way this is it, worded, yeah, I Yeah, mean, you're right.
2: But I wouldn't tell them where I found it, would you? Not, not anymore. anymore. No, no, not, not now they'll never know what it is. Because any damage they find, they'll think you did it. Yeah. <laughs> the back half of the aircraft is missing. You guys took it.
1: Yeah. Yep, uh, this is just an ex- example of a law that doesn't even need to be there.
2: Yeah, like so many of them. Yeah, I mean, there's there's really it no reason for this law. A lot more verbiage on this.
1: Yeah, if it's that I'm important, sorry? I was going to say if it's that important, they can go and find it and pull it out of the damn water.
2: If it's yeah, military well, if they know there are the f- national security. Yeah.
0: Well, let's look at it from this angle. If they know there are hazards there, then why aren't they spending the time and money and effort to go mitigate those hazards?
2: Well, they haven't defined the hazards, have they?
1: Do they somehow limit their liability by passing this law? Does this, you know, if there is... Probably. ordinance but. and the ordinance explodes, you're going to say, well, you are breaking the law so you're no longer covered. You know, it's kind of like if you break into somebody's house and it, something happens, it's a little bit different than if you're just walking on their porch. That's uh, possible. a nuisance.
0: <clears throat> oh, you can't sue the government anyway.
2: Well, you, you can, but you got to get permission. It <laughs> yeah, sounds
0: really it, weird. It does, <laughs> but... Uh,
2: now, you'll find more of this if you went to the New Jersey Scuba Divers message board. Mm-hmm. They got lots of information there. Yeah.
0: You know, yeah well, you got the San Diego up there, you know, just off of Fire Island, New York, which is a very popular dive for New York and New Jersey divers.
1: Well, how about the ones that were intentionally sunk? Yeah. Are those covered under this? Because technically, yeah. Not
2: so. yeah.
1: Oh, well, we're just making things all that much simpler. Make everything illegal. And here's one, and I don't think I've got the full story, and maybe, Jim, you have a little bit of idea of this, but we have a volunteer firefighter that (laughs) that was uh, suspected in a scuba gear theft. A 26-year-old Lower Southampton volunteer fireman uh, is expected to surrender for police for allegedly stealing $30,000 worth of scuba equipment from his fire department. The theft prevented the township's Marine Rescue Unit from searching for a missing 49-year-old boater who fell into the Delaware River, and this was a couple weekends ago. Uh, this article doesn't say it, but there's a, there's another one that mentioned that they were able to recover the gear from a pawn shop.
0: <laughs> hmm. Yeah,
2: he can't be well, a very smart guy.
0: No. So much for the uh, so much for the comment of just borrowing it. Well, yeah, <laughs> for training.
1: Well, see, at first that's what I thought of because as as the story went, and I and I ha- it was a different article which I don't have here, was that it was after. A, a previous use of the gear he had kind of collected it up and it just didn't make it back to the firehouse but uh then a, another article had mentioned that it had been recovered from a pawn shop so uh yeah that well or, or,
0: or, you know maybe he works there and that's where he was st- yeah storing it to clean it
1: yeah yeah, yeah. he's getting it serviced and they, yeah. they, just, they just happened to yeah, give him a 10 percent deposit to make sure that it would come back in in good that's condition right. well
0: that's the ticket
1: so uh, they said that the 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 fireman was well thought of up until this point. So uh, un- unfortunately, uh, this probably does it for his career.
0: Yeah, I guess he he'll have won't to get any, any recommendations. recommendations.
1: I'm sorry, Mac.
0: What was that? Probably won't get any recommendations for no. his next job. Yeah, no. I guess he'll have to become a cop now. <laughs> oh. oh, is it is that New York? <laughs> oh. that right that's up. gonna get you comment yeah they just,
1: i think <laughs> let me see let me let, let me hit the edit button we'll, we'll fix that all up
0: uh you know the guys in good blue thing. versus the guys in red
2: yeah good thing you don't own a basketball team
1: oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> and moving on uh we have uh copd which uh whatever state this is in this is i think kentucky they said it's the state's number three killer Can't keep a scuba diving gentleman farmer down, Uh, Mike Graham, as the story goes. uh, He was a lifelong diver. He was making a dive in Finley, Ohio last year when suddenly he could not catch his breath. I panic, he recalls. At first I thought my tank was bad, but then when I got to the surface and couldn't catch my breath, I knew something was wrong. His primary care physician diagnosed chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, or COPD, and a visit to uh, UK in December confirmed the diagnosis. Graham was put on an inhaler to reduce airway constriction, referred to UK's pulmonary rehab program. Just nine weeks in, Graham already delights in the return to many of his beloved activities. A self-described gentleman farmer, Graham has always shared an emotional bond with his cattle. They're my kids. I can play with my kids again, walk to the pasture like I used to have question, but now I get to give them their sweet feed, treats molasses, and ground corn every morning.
2: Is that University of Kentucky?
0: Uh, I was going to say, yeah. I, oh, was, I, was, I was thinking, wow, that's a, a long trip. Not the United Kingdom.
2: <laughs> yeah, I was, I was thinking,
1: why, well, we're going all the way to UK? We can't take care of them here?
2: Well, you know, Obamacare, and then you got <laughs> their care, so theirs is better. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought of that. It said uh, number three killer in Kentucky is COPD. So I figured it has to be University of Kentucky.
1: says, it's an amazing process discovery. I've learned so much about my COPD I'll live a full life in spite of it. I can have just one other person. By sharing what I've learned, it will be worth the effort. To that end, Graham has volunteered for a program with the national COPD foundation will pair newly discovered sufferers with mentors like Graham who can offer advice and encouragement.
0: I was starting to get worried when I read this part about the emotional bond with his cattle. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> I mean, I know some people who have an emotional bond with some sheep, but... See, I, I don't write.
2: know any people like that, and I don't want to, so.
0: so that was, oh, okay. yes, you do, Mac.
2: <laughs>
0: is that the same you're some, talking about? You do know some people, like, with that. Okay, I, that's
1: at 1836. I'm not telling you who else they are. <laughs> oh, uh, this, is, this is not going well. But for him, it went do- well. It, I, he says, I took, my, I took basically the same dive. When I got to the spot where I panicked last time, I paused for a moment, smiled, and gave my diving buddy an OK sign, and then kept going. So he was able to uh, to go back and dive after that. That's that's amazing.
2: Yeah, I thought having cope was uh, contrary to diving myself.
1: Yeah, and we're we're not recommending it. So follow the DAN sites and all the other requirements. But yeah, I would think that would be pretty serious. But like any other respiratory thing. Uh, As long as it's managed and you have enough function, you can sometimes get a green light to go and dive.
2: Yeah, I I keep thinking, though, of little clogged up air passages in my lung that just didn't get enough of that inhaler
0: and uh, go pop. Consult your physician.
2: Absolutely.
1: In Monterey, scuba divers help collect and map underwater trash. In early April... Uh, Melissa and Kevin Berry were scuba diving near the Monterey Breakwater. Melissa found a small velvet-lined box with an elegant latch, and inside was a plastic bag. And, Mac, what do you think was in that plastic bag?
2: <laughs> Let me guess.
1: <laughs> ashes. You got it right. It was, In this case, it was dog's ashes. He says he was surprised to find the pet remains, but we come to expect unexpected things when they do local dives. And so what they've been doing is they've been collecting trash and map it as part of Project Aware. They say, Train, trash in our oceans doesn't do anything good, and none of it belongs there. Scuba divers are equipped with some unique skills. They can breathe underwater and are the only people who can really remove trash. Uh, they, they lead a local dive against debris event annually. The divers tend to draw about 20 to 30 volunteers with one common goal, to gather as much underwater trash as they can after. They record when and where each piece is removed. The data is entered into the Dive Against Trash website, where it falls in the hands of uh, their colleagues. There are cars, there are shopping carts, and there are beds. I don't think we really lose the stuff. A lot of it must have been dumped.
2: That's the first clue.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't know how you would possibly record where each piece was recovered.
1: Well, I was just, as they said that, I'm thinking, Mac, <laughs> if you if you recorded every location of trash, and then what's the value of this? So if I pick yeah. up a if I pick up a plastic soda bottle from the river and I, I've removed it, why does it need to go in a log that says in 2014 there's a bottle here and it got removed?
2: I don't know. Oh, I know the- that we've dove places where I have found bed springs chained together specifically to catch lures. Yeah. Now <laughs> that would be nice to know that one because you can relate it to the boardwalk. Don't put your, you know, your fishing hook over there cuz it's going to go Somebody's pocket, but like you said, cans and stuff, big deal. Well, I,
1: I think it's okay to record the general area and say we removed 20 pounds. You know, maybe it keeps track of, you know, over time trends. Or if you come across the dump and you leave it there and it doesn't have good bottles, uh, then you could let everybody know.
2: Well, you, you know, you got to figure you're going to find the trash where the ease of dumping is there.
1: Like the end of any road that stops at a river,
2: <laughs> yeah. Or easy mm-hmm. access to the embankment that you can throw something down a, a cliff or a um, a ravine that goes into the river.
1: Haven't we found cars at pretty much any boat ramp?
2: <laughs> yeah, you can. Yeah, that and motorcycles.
1: Yeah, bicycles.
2: Absolutely, bicycle. That's a and shopping carts under the bridges.
1: Uh, yep. Maybe it'd be easier to say where there isn't trash.
2: I can't figure where that is. <laughs> Well when we find it there
1: will be like one spot. So yeah and and for people who want to see what we're talking about, you go to com. click on over to treasures and you will see just a small sampling. Not everything we we find well, makes it into the treasures.
0: That's not trash. Well for us it's not. That's treasure treasure. treasure. That's right.
1: It's treasure. But I'm sure that the uh, what is the name of this program Project Aware? That they would classify that as trash.
2: Hey, when well, see,
0: you know, they're just not aware of, of what treasures are. Yeah.
1: Now, what does the state of Michigan classify that as?
2: Well, We're not even going to get Trash. It. <laughs> I was yeah, trying to bait you. Trash. It's, trash. To, it's worth mm-hmm. nothing. No, we never see treasures. It's, it's crap.
0: Trash. Yeah, we're just doing an environmentally friendly improvements to the area.
2: We are removing garbage and crap and put them in that dumpster that's up there by the porta potty.
0: That's right. Non natural items. Yeah.
2: That are no historic or
0: archaeological
2: yeah, I, value to yeah, anyone.
0: Correct, way. and
1: they're all less than five years down there.
2: I do have a question now. Did you look at the picture on that page?
1: The one with the jellyfish.
2: Well, I well, I don't know that. I want you to tell me what "grok a fat jelly" means. <laughs>
1: Scuba students grok a fat jelly during any water sports open water class in Monterey breakwater clove. Okay. I have no, I have no idea. I'm afraid to know.
2: Is that like twerking? <sighs> Do you grok? Is that a selfie with a jellyfish or something? I don't know. G-R-O-K. I just wonder if that was a typo or. Oh, my God. I could say geeking. Grok. Geek a fat jelly. Grope. Now grope. yeah. Only Jim would come up with that one.
1: <laughs> well, he's talking about the cattle earlier. I'm a little worried.
2: <laughs> and he's got knowledge of sheep. I don't know. What do you know about jellies there, Jim?
1: <laughs> grok a fat jelly. I, you know, that's a t-shirt slogan right there. <laughs> I'm going to grok a fat jelly.
2: <laughs> Jim's thinking Jim's Next of week, <laughs> available on the uh,
0: Scuba Obsessed <laughs> goodies page.
2: I,
1: I I'm I'm doing the thing I recommend you never do. I just googled it. Uh, the top the and? top the top result was the article we're looking at, Fat Grok's Big Family, which I have no idea what that is. Grok Pat Bones and Beef. Skinny Fat. <laughs> Grok Food Petroleum Jelly, a joint FAO World Heck What the heck? Petroleum Grok Food Petroleum Jelly prepared at the forty-ninth J E F J-E-C-F-A, what? petroleum jelly, Grok food. Oh, Grok, ah, who knows? I I just I, I have to think is a typo or somebody, yeah. If, if you know, email us at the show and educate some old guys on what that
2: is. Okay, you just did. Who did? It's a word coined by so-and-so, stranger in a strange land, where it is defined as, Grok means to understand so thoroughly that the observer becomes part of the observed to merge, blend, intermarry, keep Jim away from this, lose identity and a group experience. It means almost anything that we mean by religion, philosophy, science, and it means as little to us because of our earthly assumptions as color means to a blind man. Huh. And if you go by the English dictionary, it's to understand intuitively or by empathy to establish a rapport with and to emphasize or communicate sympathetically with. All right, learn something new today.
1: So basically, they're doing the Vulcan mind meld with a the jellyfish.
2: They're communing. Yep, okay. that's what it sounds like.
1: Okay, I I guess I can go. Still think i would make a good T-shirt.
2: Well, the in Retrospect, heck yeah.
1: Yeah, it fits even better. And let's see, did did we have any others? Now, I for some reason I have the we talked about the shipwreck that was discovered near the Golden Gate Bridge, didn't we?
2: That's what you got now. Yeah.
1: Oh, we didn't cover that last week or the week I- before.
2: Well, last week we didn't have one.
1: Yeah, okay. Well, the, the 19th century shipwreck near the Golden Gate Bridge was discovered again a century after passenger steamer steamer sank in the San Francisco Bay killing more than a dozen people. The shipwreck remains have been located again. It was the City of Chester, a passenger steamer built in 1875 according to Cal- California State Lands Commission shipwreck database. It departed San Francisco in dense fog on the morning of August 22, 1888. The ship was heading for Eureka, California, in uh, a town about 270 miles up the state's coast, when it collided with the Oceanic, a much larger steamer. Collided uh, is considered to be a gentle term for what actually happened. The Chester was rammed in mid-channel by the Oceanic, and the ship was about twice as long as the Chester. According to Mitchell D. White's book, Shipwrecks of the California Coast, the city of Chester was almost cut in... Halves and reeled under the terrible blow. The Chester sank in a matter of minutes. Uh, Noah has said that this is not the first time Chester's remains have been found. A month after the wreck, the U.S. Coast Guard and Geodetic Society and Agency, functioned as Noah's predecessor, thought it found the remains. And a salvage diver also said in 1890 that another diver had found the remains. Last year, a Noah team surveying the uh, a different sunken ship. The ship, the Fernstern, Fernstern, stream, a Fernstream, a freighter that went down in 1952 with Sonar thought to be, uh, thought they located Chester. So they were asked to try and confirm this location. But that side scan looks pretty clear.
2: You know what's interesting about San Francisco Bay? What's that? The average depth is approximately 12 to 15 feet. Uh Uh-huh. All right. There are places in there, like the main shipping channels, are dredged or cleaned to about 200 feet. The average area around Alcatraz is 35 to 40 feet. They're by there, Alcatraz and Treasure Island. Uh huh. So it, it's quite interesting.
1: So when, this. Is- and
2: whenever I said that 200 feet, that's really they're not dredging 200. They're really dredging 50 to 75 because most of the boats don't, you know, aren't that much of a draft. Like I think the the carriers maybe 35 to 40 feet. So 50 to 75 feet would be more than enough to dredge. Okay. I think it's naturally occurring. So
1: it's naturally occurring in spots where it goes down to 200.
2: Yeah, is that, that where the major stream comes up. Because when, whenever I go there, it's like, I think they changed out like one-third of the volume every tide change. That's okay. a lot of velocity going around uh, the island and through the, the narrows.
1: Yeah, it's a lot of water moving.
0: Yeah. It sure is.
1: So you kind of get a scrubbing action that keeps things clear. So that's probably the natural bottom ge- uh, geologically. At yeah, two hundred feet, because if they're dredging, you know, and then when you said dredge two hundred feet, I would think, well, how does this survive? Yeah, but uh,
2: they're really not dredging that. They got to be the shallower part they're dredging.
1: Yeah. So the only reason why this sea even still exists is it just happened to be in the deep part. So one hundred twenty six years, but I'm surprised that it's in any shape because don't you? Is that all fresh water there? Even though you got a tide coming in, or would that be salt water as well? That's
2: that's all water.
1: Okay, so it's salt water then. Uh, It just—it look at that photo. It just seems amazing. It's in that good a condition because an 1888
0: shipwreck. Well, look how much of it's buried into the bottom.
2: Yeah, I just sent you something. Take a look at that. Go to the link. That's a 3D of the underwater map of the area.
1: Okay, and I'll put this in the show notes whenever I get to it. Apologize for for running. That's where I learned
2: to do the stingray shuffle. Is out there
1: the stingray shuffle? Now is that rebob? Is is that one's oh. Oh, that's uh, the stingray. I was thinking jellyfish. I thought that was maybe when somebody stuck a jellyfish down your suit. Or... No, that's a different item. Now, the stingray shuffle, is that where you're trying to not step on the stingrays?
2: Uh, so you don't get your ass bitten or not bitten, but stung by one of the barbs. If you have your feet and you, you are not bringing the foot out, you just shuffle it down. You know, you're, mm-hmm. you're raking it across the bottom. It makes enough of a weight or turbulence that you're not going to put your foot on top of the belly or the back. And have the the barb come up and get you?
1: Kind of like what happened to Steve Irwin.
2: Yeah, and then that's where I learned that when we're the bay goes when it's changing to go out, you go out for that brief period and look for tidal pools, little pools, and you look for where the gulls are, and that's where you're going to find the fish and the baby sharks. They'll be trapped in some of those pools. It's pretty neat.
1: Boy, that video was in that video that that image you sent was nice.
2: Yeah, interesting, isn't it? Yeah.
1: I could, I could I could geek out on that for a while.
2: You have to play with it after the after the show.
1: Yeah. Well, that does it for Scuba News. We do have a video of the week, even though I have a feeling that this video is uh some embedded native advertising by GoPro. Uh it still is some cool video. So this is a scuba diver Jason uh Niles, uh filmed with uh giving a seal pup a belly rub.
2: Now, well, we've had cows, sheep, and now seal pups. all right. I like the wording. He filmed himself with one particularly friendly sea dog, and being friendly himself, the result is pretty awesome
1: yeah the the video shows it i, <laughs> I, I now is this the i don't know this is like petting a stray dog i mean it's, I don't know this is something you want to encourage.
2: Can you get rabies from a, getting bit by a sea animal?
0: No. Uh, well, wait a minute. They're, if they're mammals or warm-blooded animals,
1: I think it's, at they got teeth. I think it's possible, but I think it's also unlikely that they have rabies in the first place.
0: But I've I don't never know. heard of a sea animal with rabies.
1: Of course, in the Midwest, we don't have too many sea mammals in
0: in the water. I mean, other than captive.
1: Dolphins, you know, or orcas. We do see
0: a lot of we do see a lot of whales <laughs> trying beach. to get back in the boat. Yeah, I did they look like one. beach whales trying to get back in the boat. But
2: do you guys see that? Picture? I think it was on Facebook or someplace. I saw it last week. A, a rather large whale had been in, encapsulated in nets and weights. Yes. Did you see that one? That guy guy was tangled up badly. Too bad we didn't have a picture of that one. I I meant to keep it and I didn't.
1: Yeah, I I missed that one. So as always, we recommend you go to our website, www.scubaobsessed.com. And when I get around to it, we'll have show notes. So if you go like six months from now and look, you'll see all the show notes in there and, and think, I, and, and if that's the case, then they've always been there. But uh, I'm, I'm probably a good couple months behind again. Too much work going on.
2: If you don't tell them, they won't know. Oh, sh- yeah, it's a
1: secret. <laughs> and by the way, if, you, if, if you're bored and looking for something to do, I am looking for volunteers to take on some of these activities because it does take quite a bit of effort. I think I'm probably going to break down and start begging for money too, because it's like all the fees related to this are slowly starting to come up. You know, they, they say there's nothing for free, and that's certainly true.
0: Uh, yeah, Mac and I want to renegotiate our salaries, also.
1: Okay. Well, <laughs> I, I think I think we may be able to get you a doubling of your current pay.
0: Uh, that's what I figured.
1: Okay.
2: You're very magnanimous.
0: There you go, Mac. We get two goose eggs instead of one. <laughs>
1: You can add as many zeros to that as you want.
0: (laughs) Yeah, one of these days we've got to get a one in front of it.
1: Oh, I'd be in trouble then. (laughs) Now, I understand that uh, the weather's been getting a little bit better. There's no ice in the rivers, is there?
2: Absolutely none. Nope. Great.
1: So did anybody get in the water? And I think I already know the answer.
0: I'll let Jim go first. Why? You were in the water before I was.
2: No, you did the hell bomb.
0: Okay. Well, we've talked about the bomb, but uh, we did a little diving on a project, uh, a historical research project in Kalamazoo. We've been helping a fellow club diver look for remains of an old amusement park that was at an inland lake in Kalamazoo, Michigan, back in the turn of the 19th century. And so we've been looking for that and uh, didn't really come up with anything definitive. Found some block and bricks and other items that we need to continue to do some research on. But while we were there, we did manage to uh, pick up some debris out of the lake that ended up on a windowsill in my house a couple bottles
2: but the quality ones stayed in the area with the residents who lived around the lake they yeah, had first uh, choice
0: we, we when we got done diving we went back to the homeowner whose dock we were in the vicinity of and told them about some underwater obstructions they ought to be careful some old dock pilings They need to be careful about if they ever take a boat or are swimming in that area because they could certainly dive into them and hit them. And then we offered her, you know, showed her the bottles that we had located and said, we're only going to take home the ones that you don't want. So she picked out – she had uh, very good taste, I will say.
2: (laughs) Yeah, she took the free (laughs) – She
0: she could quickly identify – there were a number of nice-looking bottles – but she quickly identified the uh, three best ones and picked those up, which was yes, fine. Did.
1: There you go. Now, yep. did you get photos of the ones that you didn't get to leave with?
0: Yeah, they're in
2: yeah. the in the club site. Okay,
1: because I'm I'm looking at that yeah that that photo from the from the blog posting.
2: I just lost your audio.
1: Yeah, you probably did lose a little bit of the audio because I'm.
2: Yeah, let me pull it up.
1: Yeah, we've only got four thousand photos on this page. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a, that isn't is, is that a sarsaparilla bottle oh that's a different one that's from a different dive
0: yeah what what we've got here if you go to the treasures page at mud club scubaobsessed.com you'll find these uh in the bottom row there's two embossed pint milk bottles
1: yeah the ones in the lower left there
0: yeah lower left um, both of them had, were both embossed and had, uh, one of them had, uh, silk screen still showing on it.
1: Oh, nice.
0: And it was a Kalamazoo. Well, both of them were Kalamazoo dairies. So that was one of the bottles that, uh, that went.
2: As yeah. always, we did get the obligatory uh, that, dive club golf ball.
0: I saw that. Yep. That's yep. What counted. That whiskey bottle, you know, was interesting in that it was just a plain whiskey that said, pint liquid. Uh, but what was unique about it was it's Mac. Would you consider that a gob top? You know, it's the the
2: it, the, the neck of it was offset to the right, or depending yeah, on which it was cocked. It was, it was, cocked. It it was cocked. A corker.
0: Yeah, it was a you know a cork <laughs> bottle with a half inch long, wide neck that you find on a lot of the older bottles.
1: Uh huh. See, I I found one like that, but what threw me off is on the bottom of it, it had what to me looked like a fairly modern uh, bottling marks. So I don't know, Was that a style? You know, like somebody was reproducing something? or Because I've got one, it's, it sounds very similar. It didn't have any brand on it, but it did say like one pint liquid or, or something on it.
2: Interesting is to look at it at the bottoms, uh, even though there's three that were identical in the wording on the embossing on the bottle, the bottles were totally different in thickness and in color. And the bottom on one, and if you're looking to the bottom right hand side, one, two, three, third one in. Yeah. It had a bevel bottom that was beveled inwards, not, not, and then it, if you put your finger in the bottom, it, it, was, it was almost like a wine bottle. It went up a little bit. Uh huh. Totally different. And then if you went to the fifth one, you'll notice the pore of the glass in the bottom is thicker on the left than the right. And a couple of them actually had the teardrops in them.
0: I, I wonder yeah, that, if that blue one I'm sorry, go ahead Darren.
1: I was gonna say I wonder if that just has to do with the if it's essentially the same bottle uh could it just be the the setup yeah you know like they they start up early in the morning to make start making bottles and the till everything gets warmed up and moving
0: well, that blue one at the top, the third one in from the right, has a pontil mark in the bottom of it, oh, really, huh. as if it was a you know a hand blown. But, uh, you know, blown into a mold, but a hand-blown bottle in a mold.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll have to, maybe we should do that. I, I've, I've done some research and found articles which explain the progression of bottle making, which is fascinating to me. Because it went from, it seemed like a very short amount of time, it went from very manual hand process to completely automated.
2: Yeah, you're talking in the late, well, in the 30s. That's when everything just got rolling from automation yeah. of the necks and the bottles and the capping.
1: Yeah, because they it, 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 from that, and I'm vaguely remembering the article. It it's like the early machines were just mimicking what people did who were hand blowing, and then at some point they figured out why you know these are just old techniques that we don't need anymore, and there's a better way of doing it. But there's like a few years where just like every year there was a, something significantly different about the bottle. So there's some some few years there were they're real easy to age, to age the the bottles
0: yeah we're, we've, we were looking for the Oakwood remnants of the Oakwood amusement park Oakwood okay
2: we've been we would worked on that several times over the last 30 years now <laughs> but he's taken a serious approach because he's got uh, the lake people involved into it um, he knows the individual who's written the history and the stories about it and they're trying to actually recover something that would be restorable for the museum and that's a really good uh, effort they're trying to do.
1: Yeah, well, you could preserve a little bit of history. You had something physical that ties the story to it. Now, yeah. did, did he do some scans? Is that what highlighted the area you were at?
0: Uh, yes, he did, basically, with a very small boat and an electric motor. Did a lot of uh, side scan, looking for anything hard in the muck, because there's quite a bit of muck in this area, this lake. And so he was searching and had run lanes and... You know, he definitely had some targets that he wanted us to come out and help him with. And since uh, Kevin's a relatively new diver, um, he wanted some people who are more experienced with getting down into the muck and stirring up and turning limited visibility into zero visibility,
1: oh, so Kevin, which we did. So he's he's fairly new then? Uh, yeah. Okay. I, yeah, I, I don't know. For some reason, I was thinking he had been doing it a while.
0: He'd been snorkeling wrecks for a number of years. Okay. But uh, just in the last year or so, got uh, got himself certified and has been awesome. actually doing scuba.
1: Great. Well, it's nice to have somebody get you into a spot. Now, do you had to cross private property to get to the lake?
0: There is a public access. It's a little bit of a swim. Uh, and we found that the swim was easier on old guys like Mac and me than uh, trying to haul the gear back up the hill.
2: Oh, <laughs> very steep hill
0: yeah so you know put all that weight in the water make it neutral and swim along
1: well certainly this can't be the only diving that's happened in the last two weeks there's got to be some other spots
0: well i did a little searching on sunday that was saturday we did that i did some searching on sunday trying to find some lost glasses for a elderly woman who fell off her dock into the water oh no uh, she got out okay, but she lost her glasses and her favorite hat. So I spent a couple hours looking in very deep muck for glasses. Found a hat, found a Pepsi bottle from the 50s, but that was about it. This muck was so deep, I found one rock, and that was it. Oh, wow. I never got down to the sand.
1: Okay. And was it was at a dock that she fell in at? Yeah. Now, now, Mac, have uh, you gotten any other locations
2: in? Oh, I've, I've hit Pawpaw a couple of times. Got this week and last week, hit Pawpaw. Average visibilities two weeks ago, was three feet. The Tuesday was probably five feet in between thunderstorms.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, and uh, the, the, uh, a fresh new crop of clams are out there, a goodly number of them. Oh, wow. Um, which was encouraging. The weeds are flat. Meaning you've got weeds, but they're not up now. I don't know if that's still going to come up because we haven't had enough sunlight. But you could go the whole length and not get embedded in weeds. You know, it'll snag you or anything like that.
1: Hmm.
2: Okay. Uh, so water's probably averaging 44 degrees, 45. Uh, so we got not real good. Well, like I said, three to five. And that's all, you know, that's great stuff for us. And 45. So I'd be glad when it gets just a tad warmer because I was going wet. Yeah. But yeah, it's time I'm, to get back out there, guys.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I went wet on Sunday, and it was, you know, probably 49.50 because uh, it was shallow where I was diving, and it was very comfortable. I was an hour and a half and never got cold.
2: Well, I had my thin hood on, my uh, best hood, and it was all right, but you had to put your hand on your forehead once in a while to squirt the water or the uh, air out and to make your head warm again so you could continue.
1: Ah, uh, okay. Well,
2: has anybody got any boats in the water yet? I think Bob was talking about this weekend. He wanted to go on the Havana. Oh, okay. And uh, I think some guys are going back up to Gilboa this week.
1: Yes, it's Gilboa. a meet, meet and greet at Gilboa for the Great Lakes Wrecking Crew.
2: And Bob and them were there last year uh, last week. Bob got three dives in, or yeah. three three days of diving.
1: Three days to get a certification for his new rebreather.
2: Right, and then uh, uh, Robert was out there. Bob. Um, Mr. Meester was out there again, and he, he planned on going back Sunday, and uh, I was probably going to go with him this Sunday, but I think I'm going to be up north moving one of my kids.
1: Uh, so he's talking about going Sunday
2: then? I Yeah, he was. He's going to go Sunday because that's his only day off.
1: Okay. I was going to say, Saturday is the Blossom Time Festival Yes, in Berrien County, so St. Joe to Benton Harbor going across the drawbridge will be a parade, which my daughter's in, so I'm tied up. All day Saturday, and actually, I think I'm going to be tied up Sunday, I'm chaperoning my daughter and her boyfriend.
2: How old is your daughter?
1: Fifteen.
2: I chaperone her too.
1: Exactly. <laughs>
2: um.
0: So uh, yeah, so uh, that's. I may think have, the more important question is, how old is the boyfriend?
1: About it's about the same age. This this one. Yeah the uh, the the much older boyfriends are. Uh, yeah, though they they've been discouraged. <laughs> Nice guys, but uh, no, I don't think so. Let's see. As always, we love those five-star reviews. In fact, we've got a few of them that we'd like to cover, if I can get it to come back up again. Here we go. And this one, I can't remember if I, if, I, if we've read before, so I'll if not, I'll read it again. And it says, uh, Super Scuba Talk. This is from Sergeant Rock 70s says i'm an east coast diver who's been searching for a great scuba podcast to listen to i found this podcast earlier since listen to all available podcasts on itunes from these guys make sure you log in the chat room during the show it doubles your pleasure and i have to tell everybody just warn them that the the chat room is on a hiatus until i could figure out a better way of doing it uh, i just been killing our te- our uh, connections with the chat room going and the service that we're using hasn't updated in about three or four years, so it's getting bad. Uh, I, I've been tempted to pop up just a chat room, but without the audio, it doesn't make sense. So I, th- I think I've got a few things. There's some changes going on, uh, both with Skype and some other services that may give us some options. So stay tuned, and we'll let you know what those are. Uh, and then we have another one and i swear i did not write this one so you don't blame us so with, and again like we appreciate these these five star reviews out what it does when you give us a five star review on itunes is it gives us some relevance in the ranking and it makes us more discoverable cuz when you type in scuba podcast you'd be amazed what comes up that is not a podcast so there there happens to be a band called scuba which really messes things up as well so this next one says If you are, you should listen. And this is by uh, Southern California Rider. Scuba Obsessed is the longest-running podcast on the Internet. All of the rest have basically pod-faded into the ether. I've listened to every one of them since beginning, and they are excellent. The host, Aaron, started diving a few years ago. is passionate about the sport, and it shows in the show. What you get is an informational conversation between several good friends that sound as if they're having lunch after a dive, discussing recent dive events, where they dove recently, and what plans they have in the near future. You get the opinions, politics, ideas, and advice, and bad joke all in one package.
0: (laughs) Can't forget the bad joke.
1: You can't. Uh, They make diving in a quarry sound like fun. Visibility that is under three feet sound normal, (laughs) and water temperatures below 40 sound warm. You mean it's not? (laughs) I I think it is. As we said, anything warmer is dangerous. Ice diving, they do it and love it. Diving in a river of the current... They've been there mowing the lawn while looking for a wreck. That's exciting to them. Show them a fish. They act like they've never seen one. <laughs> Apparently they don't see many. <laughs> 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 well, well uh, uh, do, uh, do gobies count? <laughs> he joined Gemma- join us
2: for some of our coffee and soup after dives time.
1: Yeah, he's just, uh, I'm, I'm taking it from his login name that he's from Southern California, so uh, it may be a little drive said, so the gem of the show is Mac, an endless fountain of knowledge on Midwest diving who should be listened to when he talks about the sport. He has that, I've been there, dive that quality, and you'd be a fool not to listen to his stories and thoughts. And he is not afraid to share his thoughts. He's kind of the mentor every diver should have. It's always right. I don't think so, but from Southern Cal and I'd travel to Michigan just to have the opportunity to dive with him. I'm not suggesting you spend your time listening to all the past episodes, but listen to at least four to six to find out what they're doing and what they're about. Once you do, you'll think of them as an extended dive family. It's a good show. And I have to say that is an awesome review. We certainly appreciate it. Seven, the California rider. Uh, to my knowledge, it's not a relative. It's nobody I know. I don't think I don't think Mac wrote that. Maybe.
2: No, I don't know anybody out there. <laughs> <laughs> That's unusual for someone to write something so long.
1: Well, yeah, I mean it took that's, some time, that's, that's, and yeah, it was. It's amazing. Wow. But uh, awesome. Thank you very much. And certainly, if you, you probably get in trouble for saying this, but if you want to dive with us, it, just you got to come up to Michigan. Let us know. We'll find a way of getting you in the water somehow.
2: Yeah, oh, I'll yeah. even buy you a
1: and coffee. Yeah, we we might even let you go in with uh, tank and gear. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So, you've got that. You could also leave us one on Talkshoe. Talkshoe has a, a rating system. I d- and if you're listening any other spots, like a, here's another good example of a place to listen. You got Stitcher Smart Radio. Um, I find that's a nice uh, streaming type of service. And we also have the WRVO Radio, Rich Violas. Violas. Oh, my goodness, I'm slaughtering his name again. Uh, Radio network, WRVO Radio.com. You listen to us and other outdoor sports related. Podcasts. If you're into fishing, you certainly don't want to miss it. They have some that are doing uh, outdoors, hiking, camping. So excellent opportunity to listen to different shows. Uh, from what I understand, is we're on the Saturdays. So if you, I think Saturday's a good block to have. So they repeat us on Saturdays.
2: You know, one thing I, I'm glad he didn't compare us with the other three famous people.
1: There's there's three other famous people.
2: Yeah, the three Stooges. <laughs> 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 we sort of clarify. I mean, we there's Sort of a resemblance.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah I, I, I think I, f- I sometimes fit in the curly roll. Oh, let's see. It seems like there's something else. Oh, Jim, do uh, you, you get? You want to plug the Preserve website?
0: I'd love to plug the Preserve website. Uh, is it leaking? Uh, <laughs> yes. It's leaking money, and we need money to plug it. It's dive.s... D- d- Let me start again. It is dive s w m u p for southwest michigan underwater preserve dive and we've got uh, another sponsor who signed up today so that takes us up to 28 air fills for our members this year and membership is 25 dollars, so you're paying less than a dollar a piece for an air fill uh, we've got uh, sponsors all throughout the state so when you're traveling michigan diving the area uh, you can get your tanks filled up uh sponsors would love to see you and we're trying to raise some money so we can get some better buoys on the wrecks we really would like to put the nun type buoy mooring buoy on the wrecks rather than just having milk jugs floating on the surface so Uh, sponsors are great and memberships are great. And if you want to come out and dive with us, we'd love to have you. Now, what
1: is the membership prices?
0: Membership is $25 for a basic membership. Uh, or if you just want to make a donation, you can mark donation and change the quantity to whatever dollar amount you want to put in there. It's a $1 donation. So if you want to donate $20, just mark it, you know, quantity of 20. $1 One dollar donations. Uh, take PayPal, credit cards. If you want to send us a check, the address is on the website. We've got Darren's done a fantastic job of getting information out there about a number of the wrecks in our area. Uh, you know, the the Great Lakes is a very unique place in the world for diving wooden shipwrecks from the 17 and 1800s. Uh, you'll you'd be amazed what you can find out here in the Great Lakes and how well-preserved these wooden wrecks are. I mean, if you ever thought about diving a pirate ship, you know, uh, this is the place that you're going to see the tall-masted schooners and sailing ships uh, made of wood that are still standing with the masts up um, in many cases. Only place in the world you're going to find them. And no salt. The water's a little cooler than, you know, tropical ocean diving. Uh, The fish aren't as colorful But you don't have to deal with assault and you're actually diving history, not something that was intentionally sunk because there was nothing there. You know, when you see this wreck, it's possible there may be some things nearby that uh, you never would find anyplace else that were put there by nature, not by man.
1: Yeah, there's a history to nearly every single one of these wrecks, Uh, an amazing amount of preservation for considering how old they are. Uh, in in the preserve, what is probably one of the the oldest wrecks out there, Jim?
0: Uh well, we think Max Wreck is probably one of, if not the oldest wreck, diveable wreck in Lake Michigan. And we've got a project this year. I don't know if we'll get all get it all done this year, but we're we're working on some fundraising and working on some permits that we can go out and take the sand. That has filled in the hull of Max wreck and moved this sand out away from the wreck, exposing the entire inside of the hull, which would let us take some detailed photos, measurements, analysis. And it's very possible that this could be a ship that was built in 1827 and sailed until 1865. So, you know, this ship's life was over at the beginning of the Civil War. So it's been down there 150 years, and next year would be the, 65 went down? Yeah, if you're saying it was yeah. 65. Yeah. Next year would be the 150th anniversary of its sinking, and it really would be neat if we could, you know, have a major event to announce definitively the name of the ship. Um, we've got some clues, we know what we think it is, or think we know what it is, but we're not, we're not going to put a name on it until we know for sure. So, you know, it's been Max wreck since it was identified or located, relocated, and it's probably going to be Max wreck. For a lot of people, it's always going to be Max wreck. but it would be nice if we could put a real name to it and uh, document the history. We've We've got a lot of documentation done on the vessel we think it is. It's just a matter of definitively proving that it is the farmer, so... That could be next year's project, but it's going to take a a good bit of fundraising. We're going to need—I'm going to say—probably one to five thousand dollars to really do that. A five thousand dollars would probably cover getting a barge out there for a couple of weeks, uh, some commercial equipment to move the sand, some compressors so we could refill tanks right on the site, uh, lighting, safety equipment. and also the video and production work that would need to be done to do the documentary for this. And it's, it's something that I think would would justify a good and professional uh, documentary because it's, like I say, it could be the oldest diveable wreck in Lake Michigan.
1: So to get started, why don't you head over to the Dive Southwestern Michigan Underwater Preserve site, which is Dive SWMUP, and donate at least $25. Even if you're not in Michigan, that will that will help the organization. You
0: know, we'll, we will. We'll, I'm sorry, Darren.
1: I was going to say we will give you credit. Uh, now, how, so for 25, if you're in Michigan, it's a no brainer. So, for 25 dollars, how many fills do you currently have?
0: Right now, we had another dive shop sign up, so I'm at 28.
1: So that's 28 fills. And what's a air fill going for at a typical dive shop?
0: Mac, what are you paying for your fills? Because I. F- I do my own fills.
2: Most of the time, I mooch, but uh, down here we can get good air for four bucks. But you go, let's say, a couple of the quarries that are local. You're talking eight. If you're talking nitrox, you're talking fourteen.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I would say you know a five dollar average for an air fill.
1: So five dollars, which I I think is on the cheap side.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah and we're and we're providing 25 actually 28 fills right now and it may be more as more shops sign up or as some of the existing shops say hey you know I signed up for two but come on in I'll give you a couple more yeah. uh, you know we're, it it's great we will send out membership cards to anyone who buys a membership we'll put you on the mailing list to keep you informed of activities that are going on uh, we're not going to spam you we're just going to send you know critical activities or events that are happening at the preserve or in Michigan. And, uh, you know, we'd, we'd love to get more people involved in this program. Um, plan, you know, if, if we can get sponsors and people dedicated for next year to do the archeology, span you know, we're going to need people to go down with the suction nozzles. If anybody watches, uh, the Bering sea gold, where they're sucking the sand, Uh, or, you know, searching for gold, we're going to do a a process similar to that. Instead of bringing all the sediment to the surface and running it through a sluice box, uh, we're going to be side casting it right there on the bottom and then sorting through it. So, you know, if you'd like the opportunity to, we we always say you don't know what you're going to find under the sand. And you could be the person that uncovers the name board uh, that definitively identifies this wreck or you could be the one that you know moving the sand finds that uh, that coin from 1800 or 1820 Uh, or you know the the captain's watch we don't know what is there that we're going to uncover and so if you'd like to be part of the discovery um, get signed up let us know your interest in being a part of this project and we'll We'll definitely keep you informed uh, for every step that happens as we get ready to start working this. I don't know if it'll be this year. It may take us another year to raise the funds and get the permits uh, because we're working with the state of Michigan. They are cooperating with us. They are helping us uh, to do this because they've, they've not had anyone who wanted to do something very similar to this in a long time. And so there's some new state laws and new people at the uh dnr and deq and they would like to show that they are diver friendly so we're giving them the opportunity and they've been very responsive and giving us good information giving us a lot of leeway on how we do it but you know there are certain minimum standards that we have to hit having an underwater archaeologist on the project is a critical one so i can certainly understand that so if uh if you're interested Let us know, or if you'd be interested in coming out and doing a one or two week class to get certified uh, in underwater archaeology by, uh, you know, you can do that. There is a a diver certification program uh, to get your underwater archaeology, underwater archaeology society certification, uh, NAS, National Archaeological or Nautical, I'm sorry, nautical archaeological society level one level two or level three certification and these certifications are recognized uh, worldwide so if you're interested in something like that we've talked with them about doing a special program here for us where we could get level one and level two classroom work done in one week and then you'd have the opportunity to do your open water work um on independent projects, so write to us. Now, the, email us.
1: Now the dive shops that have donated. Looking at them, we have them from all across. Seems to be mostly the Lower Peninsula, of Michigan, but we have East Coast. We have Ann Arbor. We have uh, Saint Clair Shores. You have the Middle State, and you, know, you have uh, let's see, Midland. There, you got Brighton. We've got Ann Arbor, Battle Creek, Bay City, Benton Harbor, Grand Rapids. Sheboygan. Sheboygan. So you pretty much we've we've kind of got a smattering. What I think I'm going to have to do is I'll put together a, a map for this, so we can kind of so you can look at a map of all the dive shops and kind of see where they are. And uh, what we're going to do is each week here we're going to give credit to one one dive shop each week. So if you haven't signed up and you have a dive shop, you know you still have time to get in. You know it looks like we got about 11 dive shops so far. But this first dive shop and maybe, Jim, you could tell me a little bit about them, but the Dive and Glide Scuba and Snorkel of Bay City, their website is diveandglideinc.com, and they, they donated six fills, six air yes. fills.
0: Yeah, they really liked the program. Uh, they said they wanted to be deeply involved and you know would like to bring people into their shop, so they said, we'll give you six fills. Just have your members show us their card when they come in, And we'll give everybody who comes in with a card, you know, six fills. So if you go uh, diving with a buddy and, you know, or two buddies, and you've each got two tanks, uh, you can go into their shop and get all six tanks filled up at one time. Or you could make six trips or three trips, however you want to do it. And it wouldn't surprise me if they, you know, give you more after you've been there. But that's the, the... The way the program works, you go into the, with the card, you tell them we're with the Southwest Michigan Underwater Preserve and show them your membership card. There's 50 numbers on the back of the card and each shop has, you know, uh, numbers assigned to them. They'll take a magic marker and mark off, you know, their numbers as they do the fill. um, And just, you know, that's all you have to do. Don't have to buy anything at the shop. If you would like to buy something at the shop, support the shop, that's great, but You know, the benefit for the shops is this drives traffic into their shop. Instead of going home and coming back with empty tanks, you make a stop on the way, you get your tanks filled, and you get to see how different dive shop than your normal shop or your home shop, what do they stock, what do they carry, what do they offer, and, you know, they're not really in competition with your home shop generally, but, uh, you know, there might be something there that they've got your home shop doesn't carry or a different brand. Or just some different ideas. Plus, you can always get local information about diving in that area, and you'd be surprised. You know, you go someplace and start diving, and next thing you know, you find all kinds of new locations or new new places to dive. I mean, we've been diving Sheboygan for many years, but uh, it's through hooking up with local divers up there and uh, the dive shop in Sheboygan that we found some really neat things. Uh, Found a. Found out the dive shop had set up an underwater uh, skills class or skills area where they've got some hoops that you can swim through to check your buoyancy and a couple tubes that are submerged to go through and uh, a compass course. And never knew that was up there, but now we do. So,
1: Yep, that's a, that's a good point. So if you're in Bay City, Michigan, diving there, or if you're local to that area, it's a no-brainer, six fills. So, even if you didn't care anything about the preserve, you only into, into it for the money. That's still a deal.
0: Dive and Glide, Scuba and Snorkel, 807 East Midland Street, Bay City, Michigan. Their phone number is 989-892-5771. And their website is www.diveandglideinc.com. D-I-V-E-A-N-D-G-L-I-D-E-I-N-C dot com. Even if you're not going to visit them, drop them a line on uh, email. Let them know you heard about them on Scuba Obsessed and thank them for sponsoring Southwest Michigan Underwater Preserve.
1: Excellent. Well, Mac, do you have anything to, to promote while we're, we're on the topic?
2: Well, just a little note that Gull Lake is where people are going to be diving this Saturday, Bob and company. Uh, Double check with them on the club site if you want to figure out if they're going to be at the uh, Ross Township or the north end. Most people prefer the uh, Ross. And the other item, if you haven't been to the club site, you might want to because one of the areas you want to dive this year is going to be Lime Lake dive site. They've got some phenomenal uh, ecological Formations on the bottom that are worth the trip up there, so uh, if you haven't been there, take a look at the club site and take a look at the picture, blow it up, and it gives you another place you might want to be diving in michigan
1: excellent so we're we're now getting in the season there's no excuse if you don't have your gear serviced, you need to do it now because it's not going to get you're going to wish you had it done.
0: And this is the time of year to hit those inland lakes before they warm up and all the boats get on there, start stirring up the the currents, stirring up the mud, and before it gets so warm that the algae starts to bloom and you lose your visibility. You know, it doesn't have to be a long dive. Just get in for half an hour in a wetsuit, and you'd be amazed what you will see. If you're plenty warm, you know, grab another tank and go for a little longer. When you get cold, it's time to quit, but just get out there and get wet.
1: Yeah, I got, I got to take that advice because it's, it's been a few weeks. Well, I think we're getting to that time of the show.
0: Are you guys ready?
2: I'm sitting down. I'm prepared.
0: I've, I've missed last week's not having the bad joke of the week last week, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to it this week.
1: Okay, so many to choose from, but I, th- I think here's one that we'll do. Uh, a doctor said, The good news, I can cure your headache. The bad news, it will require castration. You have a very rare condition, which causes your testicles to press up against the base of your spine, and the pressure creates one hell of a headache. The only way to relieve the pressure is to remove the testicles. Joe, the scuba diver, was shocked and depressed. He wondered if if he had anything to live for. He couldn't concentrate long enough to answer, but decided he had no choice but to go under the knife. When he left the hospital, he was headache-free for the first time in over 20 years, but he felt as if he was missing an important part of himself. As he walked down the street, he realized he felt like a different person. He could make a new beginning and a new life. He saw a men's clothing store and thought, that's what I need, a new suit. An elderly salesman eyed him quickly and said, let's see, you're size 44 long. Joe laughed and says, that's right, how did you know? Well, I've been in business 60 years. Joe tried on a suit, it fit perfectly. Joe admired himself in the mirror. The tailor said, how about a new shirt? Joe thought for a moment, said, sure. Let's see, 16 and a half neck, 34 sleeve. Joe was surprised. How did you know? Been in business 60 years. The shirt fit perfectly. As Joe looked at himself in the mirror, the salesperson said, you could use new shoes. Since Joe was on a roll, he said, sure. The man eyed Joe's feet and said, Nine and a half E. Joe was astonished. That's right. How did you know? Been in the business 60 years. Joe tried on the shoes, and they also fit perfectly. As Joe walked comfort- comfortably around the store, the salesman asked, how about some new underwear? Joe thought for a second and said, well, why not? The man stepped back, eyed Joe's waist, said, let's see, size 36. Joe laughed. Finally, I've got you. I've worn size 32 since I was 18 years old. The tailor shook his head. That can't be a size 32. Size 32 underwear would press your testicles against the base of your spine and give you one hell of a headache. <laughs>
2: That's good, <laughs> but you you talk about being depressed right about then. <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's probably a chapter two which didn't go so well.
2: <laughs> uh-huh. I'd go. I'd be seeing me a doctor real soon. Yeah, It'd be a short visit too.
0: <laughs> so, until next
1: week, go out there and get wet,
2: and stay safe out there, guys and gals.
0: And always get a second opinion from your doctor.
2: You forgot that no sheep or cows or other animals were heard in this presentation.
0: Well, I don't know what you were doing while you were here listening.
2: Well, I wasn't hurting anything.
0: <laughs> Are you sure? You <laughs> muted for a while there when we lost you.